0: Mm. Mm-hmm. you. Faith and Fable, pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller. I'm Matt Henry, and I don't know which one are we doing. Now is it on? Yeah, it's on. We're recording. Yeah.
1: So, (laughs) because this is a tightly run professional organization, uh, we're doing the parenting one, right? Yeah, let's do that one. Yeah. All right. So, you're going to hear the parenting one. This was completely recorded by us already last week, and when we were all done, the SD card was not working. We said, forget it. (laughs) And we went (laughs) went home. (laughs) It had been a bad week already, and we're like, we're done. We're just done so you're going to hear it a second time and well was, we're
0: going to hear it a second time
1: yeah you're going to hear it a, that's an excellent point this will be brand new we could have told them none of this but mm-hmm. this is the color that brings life to the podcast
0: right this is what people come for <laughs> this right here <laughs> uh, right now they're hitting for it for it for anyhow uh <laughs> we, through that music
1: Oh, he just dropped your what you call he, he's smoking a cigar but he whacks eloquently about it. It's, it's a, a Lancero. Lancero. Yeah, is like that the style or is that? Yeah, that they're she-
0: like they're long and skinny, like you. Yeah. Well, not so much these days, but I'm shorting. <laughs> <laughs> T- tire's coming for you. Um. <laughs> Anyhow, he dropped it on the floor. Yeah, this is a Caldwell Easter standard for those of you who smoke cigars. I'm having the Champagne. Perdoma.
1: I think tenth anniversary, very good one. Your gas station cigar, that is not a gas station <laughs> cigar. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. Anywho, nobody cares. <laughs> um, we've been having a very very busy time here, so uh, we've been slow in getting some of the podcasts out. Uh, obviously, you've noticed that. We apologize. It, it 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 is nothing more than we are incredibly busy um, as ch- in our churches. And it, it's just not giving us the time that we need. We both moved. You move, Yeah, well, I'm still I, moving. And you're still in the process of moving. Yep. And so we, it, it's
0: just our whole house. Uh, well, Growing Churches, uh, we're doing a celebration service coming up, which involves, I mean, we're having, Lord willing, over 20 baptisms. Yep. Which is awesome, but means we got to interview all that. And,
1: but planning for about 500 people, and we need somebody who is good at planning those things, take this over. It was fine when it was 180, 200, 300, (laughs) but it's out of control. So it's a great thing. But, yeah, we're growing just a lot. Um, Starting a classical school uh, in another three weeks, that launches. But also, you've had a few, a little bit of drama. Tell them about it.
0: Well, yeah. My my daughter decided to break her arm. How? Snapped it right in half. Oh, Um, don't. Snapped. Uh, She was picking grapes at Grammy's house. And why was she picking those grapes? Whose idea was that? Probably Grammy's. It was Grammy's. (laughs) Hey, climb up on that table there and (laughs) jump up and down and pick stuff. There goes my five-year-old over the edge and snaps an elbow. So uh, that's been fun. So So she she got. got, Yeah, I got a call. She got ran to the emergency room and then uh, she had to be shipped up to. uh, children's in milwaukee yeah but that was all good because well she got to ride the ambulance normally it's we're praying for the ambulance going by so i told her i said now now we get to pray for you so she was happy (laughs) that might have been some of the morphine but she was happy (laughs) and uh so then we had to wait till the next morning for her to be operated on but they got her in pretty early and so now she's just been sitting with her arm above her head and she's got a pink sparkly cast and sucking down the oxycodone or and the whatever and it is. The volume
1: and the, Val, oh my gosh! Yeah, she, <laughs> and then and then what happened?
0: So things settled down from that crisis. Yeah, and then um, yeah, what was it last two nights ago? I think I don't she, know if I was involved in this too, and it's all starting to come so, together. So Levi, I'm outside at the end of the night, probably smoking a cigar, and Lydia comes down and she's like, "Something's wrong with Levi." So he, I'm like, what? And he, he's screaming. He's screaming more than he's normally. <laughs> <laughs> he's able to it's scream. Uncon- yeah. There's yeah. something, you know, you, you know, your kid's cries and screams yeah. and there's obviously something wrong with them. And so I grab him and try to calm him down. He's just wiggling. And I'm like, what the heck? And he would just have these flare ups where he would just start screaming loud, loud, loud. And Wasn't really, he writhing around yeah, too and grabbing his head? Yeah. So then I'm like, I don't know. She's like, I think we got to take him in. So I hand him back to her. And uh, he starts grabbing his ear. And then again, this flare up, like just intense, shrill scream. And she's like, there's something in his ear. (laughs) I'm like, I think there is too. So I grab him. We're 40 seconds from a hospital, literally. So I stick him in the van, drive there in his jammies. And by the time we get there, he's totally fine. But I get a text from your wife
1: and she was just asking for prayer that you rushed him to the hospital and then all of a sudden, a picture shows up on my phone of this most scariest looking spider. And it's in, she says, I just found this in his bed. Still alive. This thing yes. is vile. It is a freaky looking sucker. Oh. And I, I had been bitten years ago by a brown recluse. So, recluse? What do you call it? Recluse. Recluse is what I say. <laughs> <laughs>
0: penguins, penguins.
1: <laughs> Anyhow, so uh, we'll get to parenting soon, folks. Just hold. Bear this with is us. parenting
0: right here. Yeah, this is all. This re- is
1: how it really looks. <laughs> and and so I told her, "Did you say? Did did Matt take the spider with him? Because they need to know." And she's like, "No." So I I jump in my truck and I'm busting down. How um, fast were you driving? You got there pretty I did darn get quick. Up, I did get up over 70 in a few stretches. I figure if they pull me over, I'm going to name drop all Just the throw officers. throw the spider at them. And then. <laughs> well, I, like every Christian, almost every Christian police officer in our city goes to yeah, a church. You're pretty so safe. I'm like name dropping at that point. But yeah, actually, God was kind. A bunch of green lights got there, grabbed it, took it. And, and I walk in expecting a child in great distress, and, and instead it's <laughs> your son looking at me, smiling and waving. <laughs> beba, beba That's what he calls me.
0: So. And then you show him the fish. Yeah. And fish then an the angry nurse comes out. And, and glares at me. She's like, what's going on here? <laughs> uh, we're here because there's an emergency. She's like, well, what's, what's going on? Are you going to tell us what, why you're so hesitant? And you know what? She doesn't want two people in there. She only wants one. I'm appropriately uh, masked, even though I know full well it does nothing. Well, so. they stuck a mask on him, and then he <laughs> quickly removed it. <laughs> Anyhow, all of it turned out to be fine. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, it was nothing. What, what, it crawled over his
1: face. Which it's, would freak me out, too. Especially that thing. And he's a little guy. Yeah. So anyhow, that has been his last, what, three, four nights and no
0: sleep. Well, then, yeah, then last night I let Lydia sleep and I did the night shift because we got to administer meds every two hours to Naomi. So you're just not sleeping at all. So who knows what this podcast is going to be. Yeah. Uh, All that to say is
1: don't have high hopes. And yet it's a very important episode. Um, It's our last episode, at least less formal one, uh, then we promise we will get to all those questions that were posed, and, and we actually look forward to that. But we want to talk about um, the responsibility of parents bringing the gospel to their children. Um, and so, in many different ways, we have reminded you already uh, in the past podcast that the goal of parenting is to raise godly children all the way into adulthood. Uh, everything else that you do is subordinate to that goal. And I just I'm gonna say real quickly. You either buy into that or you don't, um, and you either buy into it for the long haul or you don't. Because when the opportunity to do every extra school curricular, a- after school curricular what, activity, a- activity, yeah, whatever you call it, uh, comes your way, and and all of a sudden you start seeing everything distract your child from the things that matter and you from the things that matter. Um, that's where. You have to do the gut check. Your job is to, for the next 18 years, labor in, in that garden, which is the heart of your child. So everything else becomes subordinate to that goal. The challenge then is how that is done. And this is because parents, uh, as parents, we tend to fall into one ditch or another rather than walking down the middle of the path as we ought. And it's it's just the reality of being human. So on the picture on the left side, uh, the ditch is this tendency to affirm saving faith in your child just because, in some way, they stated that they believed in Jesus, and so it's like he, he's a Christian. Uh, this is a world that many of us may have grown up in. I know I did. Uh, where at a very young age, children were urged to pray to have Jesus come into their hearts, whatever that means, and bam, now they're saved, and their job is somehow done. Um, in other traditions, you'll find this via the act of baptism for the infant, that at least they were baptized. Um, and in that act, there is the declaration that they're now saved. Uh, We would call that a dangerous ditch to fall into. And then on the right side of that path is the tendency to be so suspicious of too quickly affirming your child's faith that you end up making it almost impossible for them to convince you that they're in Christ. And, And this often flows out of the right knowledge that salvation is something God does on our behalf rather than something we do. Unfortunately, it ends up getting a bit twisted. So this can lead to actually creating a heart that's really bent toward works righteousness because a child ends up working so hard trying to prove his faith to his parents. And and we have seen this happen uh, time and time again where they're 11. They clearly are able to describe the gospel. Um, They are able to describe their hope of it. In 11-year-old terms, which is going to be different than a 30-year-old. And then they go home and they get in an argument with their sister. And mom or dad says, well, I thought you said you were a Christian. And you're like, cut them some slack unless you never argue with your husband or wife or anything else. you know, we, we just do it. It's very easy to, uh, to fall in that trap. But evangelizing our children should be a natural thing but it's often filled instead with misconceptions and assumptions that end up doing everything but evangelizing. So we assume that kids will trust in Jesus Christ, and so we approach it rather lazily. All that really reveals is that you have a poor grasp of the reality of the doctrine of sin. We can also be so timid in evangelizing our child that all, that all of a sudden we find them almost grown and there's no appreciable spiritual growth. Sometimes this comes from not wanting to somehow force them into the Christian faith. And this is simply a result of not embracing God's commands to you as parents.
0: And so that's what we're going to try to work through today. Yeah. So we want to avoid that peril of assuring children that they are saved when they're not. Um, But on the other hand, also, we want to avoid discouraging those who seem to express a desire to trust and follow in uh, Jesus Christ. So, Our starting point, the passage is just Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, uh, that classic passage, and note how Christ-centered the whole thing is. Paul says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So, there is the idea that the child is is being raised as a Christian. Um, yeah. So, so you're you're teaching them there to frame all of their thoughts with God at the center. Um, so you're you're to tell them to obey you, but notice it's it's in the Lord. Very important um, modifier. Um, this is because it it's a Christian household, not because they're assumed to be a Christian. So every Christian parent here is to raise his or her children to be Christians. Um, so, so obedience is not the simple goal, rather it's obeying in the Lord and that takes instruction from mom and dad as well as living in a community of the church. And it's also honoring your parents because God attaches a promise to that command, not just because it's right. Um, notice also that the parents are expected to raise them in the realms of, as he says, discipline and instruction in the Lord. Um, so it's, it's not just, quote, getting them saved, right? but raising them in a full, rich Christian worldview and life. Uh, that includes habits, dress, comportments, scholastics, leisure, money, labor, friends, so on and so forth. These, these should be what mold your child as you instruct them formally and informally about the Christian faith. They grow watching godly laughter and godly lives lived out right before their own eyes. So Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7 uh, famous passage, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord with your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all of your might. And these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your sons, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. Um, So that's how the Bible speaks of evangelizing your children. Um, And that is what we want to work out here in this episode. So, um, let's think about how we evangelize our children. All right. So, the first step is that you have to
1: simply recognize the need. And this, this will seem obvious, uh, but we uh, have been around long enough, uh, especially as pastors, to know otherwise. Way too many people think too highly of their child's spiritual state. Uh, so, we need to remind you of basic, sound doctrine. None of your children are innocent, no matter what their age. They're born under the power of sin. They're defined in the Bible as being sinners by nature. And as much as this is obvious as you read the Bible, it is astounding to us how easy uh, parents can become blind to the sin that is binding the hearts of their children. So Solomon tells us that foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child. And he also says how, what will help drive that foolishness away, the rod. Uh, God describes humanity in Genesis 6 as so sinful that the very intentions of our thoughts are only evil continually. Jesus mentions it so casually that we can miss it if we don't read carefully. So in Matthew 7, he says this, Well, if you then, being evil, Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more shall your father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? I find that one interesting because he just throws it out casually. Hey, you're all evil. And what's also interesting, no one argued. Right. They're like, yeah, yeah, we are. Um, Do you look at your children? And understand intrinsically they're evil. That's that's the question we're posing to you. Or do you have too high of a view of them? So Paul writes in Romans, and he gives us so many blatant statements of the desperate spiritual condition that every person is in. But we'll just read a few. In Romans 2, talking to the Jews who think very highly of themselves. Uh, He says, or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? Now, many Christian parents actually assume that because their household does not suffer like others, that they're somehow doing great, even though they're not faithful to the word with regard to their children. they're, They're assuming God's showing so much kindness to us, we must be doing everything great. And then he goes on, he says, but... Because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each person according to his deeds. Or he goes on in uh, the famous passage in Romans 3, what then, are we better than they? And frankly, uh, we would say many Christians actually think their kids are better than the others. But he says, "...not at all, for we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin, as it is written." There is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is not. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of, of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths, and the path of peace they have not known there is no fear of God before them. Or Ephesians 2 where he says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were nature or by nature children of wrath. Beloved, these are the realities of your precious children therefore we read in Romans 6:23 for the wages of sin is death and the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord born in sin living in sin and frankly loving their sin the wages of is death and it's going to be eternal death that's what your children need they need that's what each of us need a way of escape from the certainty of God's judgment that escape and that escape is made clear in that passage eternal life is
0: found in in Jesus Christ and only Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, and then at the same time, you should understand that your your, your children are not usually hardened in their state of sin. Um, so yeah. in, in Hebrews 3.13, the writer speaks about how sin is so deceitful that it lulls us into a pit and captures us. Um, but the image that the writer uses is that through sin's deceit, it actually hardens us. Um, and this is what you don't want to see occurring in your children, uh, sin going unaddressed or allowing the child to be uncomfortable with sinning, that it hardens them against your efforts and pointing them to trust in, in Jesus Christ. Um, so, so take advantage of that lack of hardness and encourage them to talk and question and learn about God and what Jesus has done for them on the cross. Last time we recorded this, I had just finished preaching that parable of the soils. Yeah, And, um... That that first uh, soil is the hardened ground. Um, and so the, I, I explained how it's kind of like the seed would just fall on the ground and bounce off of it like concrete, it's that sun-baked. I mean, there's just no penetration. Right. It can't get in at all. The heart is so hardened. And I've actually brought the people to that passage in Ecclesiastes where it talks about, remember your creator's in the days of your youth, and then he defines what that is. It's before the evil years draw near, when you say have no delight in them. And he's just describing this reality that happens that the older you get, generally speaking, the more hardened you become toward life, just because yep. it's yep. beaten down on you. Um, but parents are wise to understand that with children, it's not so. I think that I think that's one of the things
1: that breaks my heart when I watch. Uh, over the years, parents with young children mm-hmm. and they take it too casually, mm-hmm. and it's like, man, that's your time. That's yeah. your, I mean, God is giving you such a rich, rich field to work in. Just do it, um, and and then they're desperately trying to play catch up when they're sixteen, and and that, that's when they're yeah. shocked at how hard, your, your your use of ecclesiastes there is great because. Already by sixteen, that hardness is settling in. Well, you
0: could see there's just some there. They're sixteen, but they ju- they're just so angry. Yeah, it's like what happened. It's like yeah. well, certain things did happen there, and you know now they're hardening
1: and 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 happened over and over and over again. And then and then you're trying to reach them at thirty, mm-hmm. and you're banging your head and and yeah, it's just it doesn't need to be that way. We cannot make a child be, become a Christian, but we can certainly Make it hard for them not to become a Christian uh, by creating such a
0: a sweet um a sweet environment for them to go in, yeah yeah, so we we would say for uh second of all, understand the therefore the means that God gives us for evangelism when you look at your household, what you must see are souls um souls that are in one of two states are do they, you think people see it that way though i I think people intellectually understand that i i, I yeah um, but yeah, they gripped by the gravity of,
1: that's an eternal soul. And. Let me ask you this, and I'm putting you totally on the spot. I, I, I know that. Um, and I know what you're going to answer, but, well, at least I think I know what you'll you'll answer. You're pastoring. You've got now how many years under your belt? Five? Yeah. About?
0: Yeah, in there.
1: So, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm terrible with time passage, but did did you find it, hard, and that might be not be the right word, but to look out at the people in the pews and see them as souls rather than people who are there hearing your you preacher. So,
0: I don't know if I'm making I, sense. I remember... And then maybe a point where you, all of a sudden you realize... Exactly. That, crud. <laughs> there, there was, I, I, st- I actually still remember the moment. This is, oh, really? This is okay. when we were meeting uh, back in the movie theater. And I remember... Um, it was during the singing. I don't think I was preaching that day. I think probably you were or something. And I was up in the back looking out at all the people. And I I saw them all for the first time, I think, as just crap. Those poor souls. You saw them as crap? No. (laughs) (laughs) Wow.
1: (laughs) His Uh email, if you wish to comment on that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You saw them and you said, oh, crap. Yeah. Um, I was like, well, first of all, it hit me hard that it's, you understand in theory that you will have to give an account for every single soul that's been entrusted to you. But there's also that point where that becomes like reality for Mm -hmm. you. And I, I, at that moment realized, I, I switched from looking at them as just people who are coming to a, church that I'm trying to pastor to. These are actual souls for which I will give an account, yeah. and I have to care for them because they're Christ's sheep. And and then my next thought was, and they got me. <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and I actually had similar experience. Mine came about a different way, but I remember um, preaching, and in the early years of, of my pastorate it was a very confrontational time; just a lot of challenges. So, a lot of confrontation, a lot of reproving and correcting and rebuking and whatnot. And I, I gave some practical suggestions in light of what I said. And afterward, um, a person came up and they were very emotional um, in a in a good way, but they were scared. And and the, it was a man, and he's like, "So, if what you said is true, then I've got to change." And it was a major life change, and he he's like, "I'm thinking I should do this. What do you think?" And I realized, for the at that moment, oh my goodness, I'm messing with people's souls. Really? You know, it, it, I'm not up there doing just some performance. I'm I'm li- these people are actually listening to me, and they're going to make life decisions. De- yeah, yeah, life decisions uh, based on what I said. I and I and that's when I realized. I have got to get this right I every sermon has to, I have to have absolute confidence that I'm preaching the text faithfully because it's it's going into souls, yeah. yeah, and well, again, I think that's what parents have to strive for is the same to stop looking at their children just as fun, cute, whatever, and that they really realize these are little souls for which they will give an account. God has blessed them with this, these souls. Be faithful with them and, and yeah. not wink and nod and chuckle and excuse and um,
0: psychologize away. Yeah, because it's it's God's soul because he created it and you're just a steward of it. Yeah. And you want to be found It's a faithful. weighty task. Yeah.
1: Well, and, and again, it, it gets into our other side where we're talking about elders, why an elder has to have his household under control because... If you can't, you're not going to shepherd the souls in your church. Well, go right. ahead.
0: Yeah. So, so with that though, there's no middle ground, then, right? Right. Um, either there are souls that are trusting and resting in the finished work of Christ, or they're they're not. And so, there's no trick. There's no special technique that that you need. Um, it rather, it's simply the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, so simple. Yeah. So Romans one sixteen tells us that it, meaning the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation. I mean, you got you have nothing else. That's yep. it. Acts 4, 8 through 12, we find Peter there before the religious council on trial, and he gives the first, or he gives a a short declaration of the gospel um, that Jesus is the Christ, that he is crucified, that he's been raised from the dead, and then he says in verse 12, "...and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved." Um, so the gospel is what you have, but then you have to remember to teach them the various aspects of the gospel. Um, so remember always that the gospel, it, it's a term that literally means good news and that's how you should present it. Um, somehow we screw that. We can screw that you up. Like right? bad or hard. Like or some mean. negative yeah. dark thing. Yeah. You know what you need is the gospel. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so, There's no hope because, or there there is hope, because God did not leave us then in our sin. So that means that you have to help them see the bad news first, right? Uh, Good news presupposes there's bad news. Um, And what's that bad news? Well, everything you were saying before, that they are sinners and that this is why they struggle in obedience. It's why they struggle in respect. Uh, This is why bad things happen. This is why sickness exists and evil is present in our world. Um, we have three great enemies that we can't defeat, um, sin, Satan, and death, um, and and then you need to explain and instruct how God resolves and defeats these enemies, but in His Son, Jesus Christ. I, you know, I literally just
1: interviewed a, oh man, eight, nine, maybe ten-year-old. She's a cute, sweet little girl. I can't tell you her age, but she's right in there for baptism, and it was really great Just just... You know, she gave me the gospel, and she said, you know, Jesus died for my sin, he and he rose again on the third day. And she said that really, really confidently. But then I start probing, I said, so what do you mean uh, he died for you? And she's like, well, for my sins. I said, okay, so but in what way? And then she, in, the, in a simple little girl way, explained the substitutionary death, that it was he took my sin. And I'm like, man, that's awesome that mom and dad were that faithful to, Teach that little one that it was her, her sin that went on him, um, but she could explain that on the cross he took my sin, and I said, "So what did what did what how what was defeated then when he rose again?" And she, she you know, and it was really cute. She's just this little girl, and she's got that furrowed brow, and she's thinking, and she looks at her dad, and he's not going to help her, and she's like, "Well, death." And I'm like, yes, yes. But she, you know, she was put. She had been able to put the pieces together and see that in Jesus, these enemies are defeated, um, and that's where her hope la- lies. And I, it, it just—it was a blessing to me.
0: Yeah. Um. Well, and I like that she got the resurrection. That's yeah. the one that that's everyone always one forgets. Most, right? Yeah. It's like
1: it, <laughs> yeah. after he died, anything happened.
0: Oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> um. Yeah. So but we'd also say another tip that you can do is, is make certain to use stories in the gospels because children love stories. Um, they can connect with them very easily. Um, I, you know, When we always, when we go to Ethiopia and we're asked to preach, I always try and pick like a gospel narrative or something to preach because they're so relatable. They're so easy to understand. They're engaging, interesting, um, and children are the same way. Um, when you read about Jesus raising someone from the dead like Lazarus, point out how how easy it was for Jesus to do that. Um, Show them how death had absolutely no power over Jesus. When he walked on water, um, show how that shows him being the Lord over creation. Um, For him, if he wants the water to hold him up, it just obeys him. Um, If he wants to multiply bread, the bread obeys him. Um, When you read in the Old Testament, make sure you don't turn those stories into merely moral lessons on how to be brave, or good, or strong. That's the evil of the Veggie Tale. Yeah, slush bombs, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, help, help, help your child to see the glory, but also the holiness, um, and then all, and then the power and the mercy of God in those stories. You really want to bring out His character and His nature. Show them the shadows that point then to Jesus, such as the sacrifices and the priests. You'll be amazed at the kinds of discussions that you have with even just your five-year-old if you simply plan and prepare to read the Bible with them. Show how sin was resolved only through death, but it must be a perfect death and an infinitely worthy death. Teach them substitution, like you were talking about, that Jesus died, but in our place. Show them how death was defeated by resurrection. But all of that assumes that you're actually talking with your children, that you're letting them ask questions, that you're engaging with them, Um, and you you need to make space for that.
1: Yeah, you really, really do. Um, Never underestimate the power of just going for a walk, right, holding their hand, talking, um, and and allowing the conversation to flow effortlessly because, I mean— You'll go from a pretty flower to a squished bug, yeah. to, to Jesus, and you're like, well, "Well, this is just weird." But it's it's a natural thing. One of the things I, I'm sure I told people in an earlier podcast was for fathers because it's the father who <laughs> usually struggles the yeah. most, um, and he's just trying to get away, and so he has to go to the hardware store. But uh, you know, we my, my exhortation to every parent is: whenever you run an errand, always take a child. One and and use that time to just be with them talk to them and it doesn't have to be a hyper spiritual but as you do you'll be amazed at how often they'll probe you just to see how you're going to react and you and and if you're looking for those you'll have phenomenal
0: spiritual conversations yeah yeah you're always looking for images uh, yeah. and pictures and so one that i mentioned last time um, was most Saturdays we've we've kind of vaguely moved now, so we don't do it. But we lived right next to a cemetery, and so every Saturday evening, um, before we had dinner, we would go on a walk through the cemetery, and you know they like looking at the tombstones and yeah, usually, beautiful, usually jumping on them or something, but <laughs> <laughs> completely desecrating. But uh, but it it bega- it, all, it began conversations with Naomi. She's like, "What is this? There's a big tomb." Um, a crypt. A crypt in in one, and it's got a ledge on it. And so every time me, her, and Naomi have to walk all the way around the edge with her back against the wall and not fall off into <laughs> the hot lava. Um, <laughs> but but she, she always asks, what is this? And every single time I tell her, um, well, dead people are in there. And she's like, why? Why are they dead? And then now I can begin to talk on, well, because sin and disobedience. And are you a sinner? And do you disobey? And she's like, well, yeah. I said, so what's going to happen to you one day? I'm going to die. I said, but do you have to stay dead? No. Why? Well, because Jesus rose up from the grave. And then I'm like, yeah. And Jesus was in one of these and he came out. And because he came out, someday you too can come out. And so you're just looking for pictures. It's a simple way, but... But uh, you just
1: illustrate what I just said too. First, you're on a crypt creeping around it, trying not to fall off into the hot lava, right? (laughs) That's the typical walk, right? right? You got a little kid, ooh, lava. But it transitions, if you're wise and you're looking for it, to something more. Yeah. And that's so simple.
0: Yeah. So, um, and then finally, what's that next step? You're you're trying to uh, help them learn then what it means to believe or to trust This is seen by you modeling trust in God yourself, and that means that as they get older, you're willing to be transparent with challenges that you face and in how it looks to trust in God. Um, If you're one who's just got it all figured out, all that's going to declare to them is they can never meet that, right? But if you're actually showing them and saying, here's where I fail, here's where unbelief creeps in sometimes, that's actually helpful. And And not
1: hiding them from the tough things that you're facing, Like I just met with a a couple from our church who's facing uh, termination because they don't want to be vaccinated, and you know now they're older. But if you were younger, that would be a great one—not to be filled with tears and fretting, but simply with confidence, sitting down with your children and explaining to them, "Here's the situation, and this is what might happen, and so we might be seeing some things change here." And but then transitioning to how that doesn't matter because I'm still trusting in God, and this is what it looks like. This is how it shows. You know, wow, what a powerful thing where where they realize mom and dad are people (laughs) because I didn't—my father was just this indomitable man who did no wrong and um, never suffered, and it was only later on that I realized he was going through his own series of trials, but
0: every child is so self-centered. That's really all they think about, so it helps— Yeah, yeah. So, so you're you're always trying to help them learn what it means to believe and trust. But, but it's also as simple as is teaching them first to learn to trust you. Um, At our old house, we we, it was a two story house, so we had steps, and they were carpeted. Um, And Naomi would like to run and jump off of them and have me catch her. Uh, So Levi now wants to do that, and so he would stand at the top of the steps and he got really scared. He saw Naomi do it, but then he wanted to do it. And so he comes and he's like, I want to jump. And he wouldn't do it. He was just too scared. He was controlled by that, that fear. And he's two, but still. Um, so I sat there, you know, three steps down with my arms stretched out. Okay, you can jump. And by you him. got long arms. So <laughs> now you're like eight inches from him. Literally. Yeah. And he wouldn't do it. And he would he'd get up to the edge and his little toes would creep up. And, but then he'd start crying. and And, and I said, buddy, you got to learn to trust Papa. I'll always catch you. I'll keep you safe. And he wouldn't do it. And he would just, he then just dropped and starts crying. So then I picked him up and disciplined him for disobeying and <laughs> stuck him back up there. <laughs> and I said, now jump. And he wouldn't. And and I sat there for probably 10, 12 minutes. Oh, and, and then probably miserable 10. Yeah. Right? I, my arms are tired from holding them yeah. up at this point that he's not jumping into him And, and, but- I did it because I wanted to teach him to learn to trust my voice and, and hear my voice and that I'll keep him safe and protect him. And finally he just sort of <laughs> dropped himself off <laughs> into my arms. And then he, and then I'm like, see, and I praise him and he's like, see, and he starts crying cause he's happy and he did it. So then I stuck him right back up there. I said, "Now do it again. And this time it took him about a minute or two and I had to discipline again, but then I kept doing it. Now he just runs and hurls himself off. Um, <laughs> so now you're constantly ready. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> might have a flying body coming <laughs> <Exactly>. your way. Exactly. <laughs> um, but the thing I ch- kept trying to reiterate to him was, look at Papa always keeps you safe, right? And and my goal there is so that when he gets a little bit older, I can use that and I do it with Naomi now. And I said, just like Papa keeps you safe, God keeps you safe, right? And so I'm trying to teach him. Look at there's. There's blessing built into obeying and trusting the voice of one who cares for you. So,
1: there is a place to play jokes on your kids. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but but be wise about that. Make certain that they're that you do those so that you're not breaking the trust. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Those you don't tell them to do a trust fall. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops! <laughs> oh, 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 jokes on you. <laughs> Like a grandmother telling a child to pick go a pick grammy. grapes. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, poor, anyhow. Poor Grammy. Um,
1: all right, you're up. All right, so yeah, I'm up. So third, be a model then also, and this is huge, uh, be a model of one whose faith is in Jesus Christ. Uh, hypocrisy cannot be comfortable in your home and in your parenting. Don't be that hypocrite. Make your faith something that you're always seeking to grow in, and so you want to take heart, uh, take to heart such passages as uh, 1 Peter 1, where he says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children. So he's talking to adults here. He's like, be as, as obedient children, not just as children. Do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it's written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. So just picture that. as You own that as a mom or dad, and that has incredible impact on your children as they see a man or woman who has genuine faith being worked out. Uh, Therefore, uh, in Ephesians 6, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. So, so many things I could say there, but here's the harsh reality in some homes. When the day of evil comes, you're not able to resist because you have no idea where your armor's at. You have been playing games. You have literally playing games. You've been working on your golf swing. You've, you've been uh, making certain that you're a social influencer or following the social influences you've done, all of that. But you have not learned to gird your loins with truth. You have not learned to, to take up that helmet of salvation. Uh, you don't know the Word of God. And so you're not alert. You're not ready for it. And so then your children watch you just get swept away in those days of evil. And yet, at the same time, you're telling them, trust in Jesus, You have to show them that. So learn to make your face something that you always are growing in. But you also want to do little things, like learn to sing songs with them. Uh, Find out the songs they're learning in Sunday school. Uh, Sing with them. Um, I enjoy holding my... uh, My granddaughters will come up and stand next to us during singing, and one of them has made a profession of faith. And it just makes my heart happy when I hear her, and she's singing at the top of her lungs with me. But I'm also making certain that I'm singing at the top of my lungs um, with her so that she sees her papa, uh, that's what she calls me, uh, that I'm enjoying this, that I'm singing these songs. Uh, We'll even kind of do a little vague dance, not much because I am who I am, but to the music and just enjoy it. And, and I, she knows that uh, I'm engaged. Uh, parents can do this. Read the Bible to them in every possible way and show them what it looks like to believe and trust in Jesus Christ. Show them what it looks like to be holy and to grow in holiness. Yeah.
0: And then fourth, uh, you want to look for a progression of faith rather than a moment. Um, if if your home is overtly Christian, and we hope that it is, then your child is, or should be, utterly immersed in a gospel-centered, Christ-following, Bible-believing, and living home. For some of your children, there will come a crisis point in their life for which they profess their trust in Jesus. Uh, our job is not to try and create that crisis, um, meaning like manufacture one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Frankly, though, for many kids growing up in a solidly Christian home, it is—it's it, somewhat vague when they actually believe and come to trust in Jesus. There are some things that you should look for, though. Um, you want to be looking for a conviction of sin, but remember that conviction can look different in each child. Um, look for a grasping of the facts of the gospel. Um, you know, when when we look at a young person, you know, for instance, if we have to do uh, interview for baptism testimony or something. Um, you know, we ask them why they think they're a Christian, and it becomes very obvious quickly that they've not really understood the facts yet. Yeah, um, which is okay. Yeah, that's it's, it's but, but, part of the process. Yeah, um, but they they have to work through that. Yeah, and be taught them. Um, but then, if they do understand them, now you're looking for the next step. Now you're looking for them to actually agree with those facts. So it's one thing to understand them intellectually, but are they agreeing with them or assenting to them as truth? Um, They're not debating them, diminishing them, mocking them, rejecting them. Um, Rather, there should be an embracing of them. But then from there, now you wanna look for a a hope or rest in those facts. Um, And this will show itself in various ways. Is there there a desire to obey and to follow God and his word? Um, is there a love for that word? Is there a love and desire to be with others who are Christians? First um, John, uh, the book of First John gives many evidences. Uh, if you love God, then he says that uh, you will love those who love God. Um, if you follow God, then you're not going to love sin. All these kinds of statements in there. So that's a good book to work through.
1: Okay, and then fifth, uh, be careful about declaring what you cannot know. Rather, instead, seek to fan the flames of apparent parent faith. So you cannot know if your child is in Christ. I mean, you just can't know it. You can hope and believe that they are, but you can't absolutely know it. Um, the power that a parent wields with his child is massive, and it can be used in ways that can end up hurting them if you're not wise. One of the simplest ways is by co- coercing them To profess faith in the gospel. Um, That's the danger of the popular sinner's prayer. If you're a reasonably decent parent, you can get them to supposedly pray to be saved at a very young young age, but to then declare that they are therefore saved is actually rather dangerous, actually very dangerous. Um, I've talked to many parents and children about their child's faith, and usually I watch the face of the parent go from hope to shock or sadness as I talk to the child because they want to be baptized. And so mom and dad are in the room, and I forbid them. You're not allowed to help your child, coach your child, anything. You have to be absolutely quiet and just let me talk to them. Um, and it's really fun because they're like, yeah, 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 they got it. Um, but as I talk to the child, all of a sudden things that are deficient start to come up, and they realize their child hasn't worked all of this out. Um, but that's, that's not bad. Um, I actually tell them, be encouraged. that They're thinking. They just haven't fully thought it out. They haven't worked it out, and it's not yet clicked in their heart, if you will. It's not some exam, in other words, where you have to pass, but rather it's always a process where you keep teaching and keep clarifying and keep praying with and for your children. So I, I frequently will send parents out, and I'll just tell this child, you know what? I don't think you're ready to be baptized yet. What I want you to do is you're doing good. I want you to keep thinking, why did Jesus die for me? What does that mean, okay? And I want you to really think about that and tell you what, in a, in, in a few more months, I want you to come back and I want to talk to you some more, okay? But in the meantime, just talk to your mom and dad and and we'll just keep doing this, okay? And the child oftentimes, I, I in fact, every time, they always have a smile, oh, okay. Um, they're not heartbroken and the parents then can walk away with, okay, we've gotten them this far. We just need more work. Yeah, um, I've, I've told parents, uh, they may actually be a Christian, but it's not completely apparent yet, and that's okay. So let's not rush that baptism. Keep doing what they're already doing, grow in that knowledge, and let them mature in their faith. Yeah.
0: And then six, you want to challenge false thinking and consistently <laughs> bring truth to bear on all things. And this is especially important as they get older. So this is that the polemic or uh, argument and apologetic aspect of parenting. Every child will come up with foolish and frankly deadly ideas. In the early years, you're the primary influence, but by even five years old, they're already developing those, their own friends that that circle of influence is already growing. And once they're driving and working at a job, they're now fully immersed in alternative worldviews and values and so you must always be alert to those moments. Um, they're good moments. They're redemptive in nature, but the key is that they're only redemptive if you seize them. Um, don't just silence your kids either. Um, rather, confront their thinking and have them force them to def- actually defend their ideas. Bring the word of God to bear, which means that you're always wanting to grow in that knowledge yourself. Don't allow your child to act contrary to Christ in your home. Um, it is still a Christian home, and so they are to conduct themselves properly as
1: they were taught. The, this one always amazes me, too, is how often a parent will make the excuse, well, they're not Christian. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, it's a Christian home. You right. don't allow lying. You don't mm-hmm. allow theft. You don't allow rebellion. I mean, no, this is a Christian home, and, and every time they choose that path, they're going to run into mom and dad, and they're going to run into a very, very firm wall. We still— Follow Christ in this home, and that's what you mean by right. you know you don't you don't tolerate uh, behavior and attitudes that um, and you don't entertain non-Christian values in mm-hmm. that home. Again, that means mom and dad have to rethink maybe some of the things they allow
0: in that home. Yeah, yeah, we, we would say also don't. Don't buy into that foolish lie that if they've not confessed Jesus Christ as Lord, that somehow they're therefore exempt from proper behavior. Uh, You don't get a pass on lies or hate or gossip or theft just because you decide that you don't want Jesus. Um, Again, as you said that, that's just something that's not tolerated and ought not to be tolerated in a Christian home. So you confront those actions and you show how they're flowing from a heart that actually loves them. You bring them back to the reality that they're storing up God's judgment upon themselves. Um, and then finally, we would say uh, you should have a, a strong hand in who your children uh, hang with, and especially as they get older. Yeah, their friends are going to have—it's
1: amazing. You know, when each one of my children got their first job, how all of a sudden some 14-, 15-, 16-year-old became the, the, the essence of true wisdom. Well, yeah, but that's not what Joey said. Joey's an idiot.
0: <laughs> and that's what I would say.
1: <laughs> Joey is 19 and he's still working at that same job. Think about that. <laughs> yeah, come on. <laughs> and I, I mean, I would literally talk that bluntly to him. It's like, no, no, they don't know what they're talking about. Well, I don't know. They're pretty smart. Yeah, so smart that they're still behind the deli County, Huh. All right. So, in conclusion, uh, we'll quickly summarize. Um, Don't look for that moment or event. Instead, start from the very beginning of their life to pour the gospel into them and pray for them, even while they're in the womb. Pray for them while they grow. Pray, pray, and then pray some more. It is God who saves, so pray to God to save. And then be patient with them. Hate sin. Oh, this is huge. Hate sin. First in yourself and then in them. Let them see that sin is the common enemy. It's not that you're angry with your child as much as you're angry of the sin that is present in your child. And so, and that you have that same sin, and we're going to fight this. And the fight begins with Jesus, who's our hope. So that's our our podcast. That also ends our formal teaching on parenting. Uh, We do hope it's uh, helpful. Uh, Next time, we're going to focus on the questions you post. So if you still want to get a question in, do it now uh, because we're going to address them. But as we always say, don't forget to like, share, comment, rate, review, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and tell a friend.